Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's teaching, remember you can learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the church, how to donate, how to contact us, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance and part two of his teaching in Revelation 12 called The Conflict of the Age. I remember when Shane was born, I was pacing the hallways, and it was pretty intense. (laughs) And I wasn't the one in labor. But anyway, never mind. Before I get in any more trouble, let's move on. (laughs) But she's in labor. So when a woman's in labor, just think about it. She's not thinking about a lot of other things other than, I want to have this baby and I want to have this baby now, and in between threatening her husband. <laughs> right? That's pretty much it. It's she's in pain to give birth. And this image is used all over the Bible. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 24, the things that he described in those early verses are only the beginning of labor pains. Israel's described as a woman in labor, right? It's this very distressful time, but the end is, of course, the birthing process. And so Israel has been a nation in labor, in pain. Think about all that they have been through. Think about how many Jews died in the Holocaust. Have you been to a Holocaust museum? How many of you? Just raise up your hand. I tell you what, I went to the Holocaust Museum in Israel. I walked out of there in stunned silence for what mankind can do to mankind. It just, it's just, there's no words. But I do think that we, even though we do see evil against other people groups, I think we can understand um, this, these, this language. She cried out. That seems to be the story of Israel. Remember when Jesus was born and Herod tried to ascertain things about him and you know lied to the wise men and then killed the babies there in um, Bethlehem, two years, eight, of eight, two years old and under. And Rachel is pictured as weeping for her children and she can find no comfort. This is, this is the story of Israel. And why? Because a, the hope of the nations was going to come. And you, you might ask, well, well, who is it that is trying to destroy hope? Who wouldn't want a deliverer to come to Mankind to the nation of Israel and to all of mankind. Well, another sign appears in heaven, verse 3. And behold, a great red dragon. Now you have a woman in labor. She's the first sign. The second sign here. Another sign in heaven. And imagine being John and seeing this stuff. Is a great, a large red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. Now a red dragon is scary enough. But how about a seven-headed red dragon. You know, um, I showed you a few weeks back uh, one of the, uh, the characters or the animals and their fantasy animals from the Lord of the Rings. You remember those things? What were they called again? The, oh, you guys, somebody knows the name of them. Anyway, scary. They squeal. Remember that? 
and the people are covering their ears, and they're these terrible, scary-looking creatures, and they have wings. Woof, woof, and the wings just, you know, they're really long, and they're, they're just terrible-looking creatures. Imagine this, this great red dragon. He has seven heads. Now imagine a seven-headed dragon. And imagine the seven-headed dragon is there in opposition to a woman in labor. You have a woman in labor against a seven-headed dragon who's huge and terrible looking. I read a writer this week, who would you put your money on in that battle? Me, the pregnant woman, of course, right? But it doesn't seem like a fair fight, does it? This, This terrible, nasty dragon and a woman in labor, about to give birth to a child. Really, she's in a very vulnerable position when you think about the imagery. And this seven-headed dragon has ten horns. We're, we're going to see explanations of this later in the book. On his head were seven diadems, seven crowns. A diadem is like a royal crown. In Revelation 13, 2, uh, we see uh, the dragon giving power to the beast, and we'll see more about this later. Uh, James Hamilton says in his commentary, the picture gets even more terrifying. For this grotesque dragon is pictured as standing before the woman in labor, ready to destroy or to eat or consume her child. Put the two images together and you have a powerful drama. A pregnant woman in the process of giving birth and she is being threatened by a massive dragon who wants to eat her baby the moment he is born. She cannot run. She cannot hide. What hope does she have? The child about to be born is the world's last hope. Incarnate love, goodness, purity, and hope is about to arrive in the face of incarnate evil. But we all know this baby isn't hopeless or helpless, is he? Because this baby is like no other baby. His name is Emmanuel. His name, God with us. And he will rule the nations. But this dragon, this terrible beast with seven heads, perhaps at least in part explaining that he is the picture of evil. Uh, We get a little bit more about him. His tail, the dragon's tail, swept a third of the stars of heaven. Remember, all of this has been happening in a heavenly scene. And he threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Can you think of anything more frightening? Can you, can you put this into a, in a, in a cinema drama right now? Imagining a woman maybe in a hospital bed in the final you know, draws of labor and a huge, ugly dragon just standing there to kill her child. It's, it's quite a scene. And, and if you're John, you're looking at this. And remember, this is all in symbolic, picturesque language. This, this book is written this way to give you the feel of the drama. These are signs, right? They're images, but they paint pictures like, like a movie or a storybook paints these pictures so you can understand the drama of the moment. This is what our author is seeing, the Apostle John. He is seeing this terrible scene uh, unfold before him. In the sweeping of the third of the stars, the uh, traditional view I think that most of us are familiar with is that Satan took a third of the angels in chapter one stars or angels and brought them in some sort of angelic rebellion. Just so you guys know, to my knowledge, this is the only place 
in all of scripture where a third of the stars is mentioned in the sense that a third of the angels would have been swept in some sort of angelic rebellion. Was there an angelic rebellion? Yes. Does the devil have his angels? Yes. What are they today? Demonic powers. We know other books of the Bible say angels sinned and left their proper abode. We know there's places in the scripture that talk about the angel over the bottomless pit or the angel of the abyss. We know that the Bible paints spiritual warfare in Daniel 10, that Daniel was praying and uh, an angel was trying to give the answer, but he was being opposed. And we have demonic powers pictured in uh, Ephesians 6 of spiritual warfare and all of this. So we do know that this is certainly the case. We just can't be emphatic that it was a third of them. This is the only place that we have a third. It could be correct. It could be that this means a third of the angelic, uh, the angels uh, left in some sort of rebellion with Satan. Uh, How many angels are there? Probably billions upon billions. So if that's the case, and if a third is correct, then there's a lot of demonic powers out there. But here's just something for your consideration. And this is in the book of Daniel, chapter 8. So let's go over there for a second. So find the Psalms and the Proverbs. Go a little bit to your right. You're going to find Daniel, chapter 8. Let me just show you something that happens. I was describing to you um, how the Bible talks about a man named Antiochus Epiphanes. He's known as the man of intrigue in Daniel, chapter 8. Now, we know that Daniel is kind of the Old Testament revelation and here's what it says about this man. And just, this is just something to consider as you study the Bible. It says, Daniel 8, 9, out of one of them came forth a, uh, came forth a rather small horn, Daniel 8, 9, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the beautiful land. The beautiful land would be Israel there. And it grew up to the host of heaven and caused some of the host and some of the stars to fall to the earth. And it trampled them down. It even magnified itself to be equal with the commander of the hosts. And it removed the regular sacrifice from him. And the place of his sanctuary was thrown down. Keep reading for a second. And on account of transgression, the host will be given over to the horn along with the regular sacrifice. And it will fling truth to the ground and, it, and perform its will and prosper. There are some that see Daniel 8 in these verses I've just given you, 9 through 12, as an explanation of the stars being swept down. Because if you think about it, back to Revelation 12, Daniel 8 is talking about Israel and how Antiochus Epiphanes, Epiphanes by the way, his name Epiphanies means God manifests. That's who he thought he was. Talk about a, a bit of a pride issue, right? He thought he was God manifest, right? And he began burning Torah scrolls and he was killing Jews who would not obey him and, and basically convert to the Greek ways. And uh, what he did in sweeping the stars here or the host is he killed Jewish people. And so there are some that see this sweeping of the stars, not necessarily an angelic rebellion, although that did happen, but uh, perhaps uh, more to Israel as a nation. I'll let you just chew on that one because it may be new 
uh, to most of you. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And she, this woman back in Revelation 12, says now that you have the dragon, you have the woman, we have explanations of uh, who they are. She, the woman, gave birth to a son, a male child who is to rule. The word rule could be shepherd. How many? All the nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Now, the child, the male child who is to rule all the nations is who? Is Jesus. You can just safely write in your Bible there, Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2 says that I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Jesus will rule them with a rod of iron, Psalm chapter 2. So we know that that's Jesus. That gives us more indication that the woman is Israel. Jesus comes from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He comes, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's from the nation of Israel. Jesus was Jewish, by the way. And he is the savior of the world. This son that she's about to birth, the dragon wants to kill him. Why? Why is the dragon bent on killing him? Because the dragon does not want him to emerge to a throne because Romans 16.20 says that the Lord Jesus Christ will soon crush the head of the snake. Aren't you glad? We have a savior who, he dealt with demonic powers and principalities at the cross triumphing over them through the cross. From the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus will rule. Satan won't rule. He wanted to have his throne ascend above the stars. He wanted to be like the most high in Isaiah 14. And God says, oh, no, you won't. You'll be thrown down. That's probably the reason for the angelic rebellion. Now, one other place I want to show you in the Old Testament is the book of Micah. Micah, okay? So you found Daniel, right? Didn't you? (laughs) Okay, keep going to the right, and the book of Micah is more to the right. (laughs) How was that for help? (laughs) Like, what? Just pass up. If you find Jonah, you're really close. Here's the book of Micah. Chapter 5, verse 2. Micah 5, 2 says, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, 5, 2, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth 
are from long ago, from the days of eternity. By the way, Micah 5.2 is written 700 years before Jesus was born and predicted his birthplace. That's part of just a small snippet of the majesty of the Bible. 700 years before the Messiah is born, his birthplace is prophesied. He will be born in the house of bread, Bethlehem. By the way, David was from that area as well. He's from the days of eternity. He's eternal. He's God. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she, Micah 5.3, who is in labor, has borne a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain because at that time he will be great to what? To the ends of the earth. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That's Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Go back to Revelation 12. Surely ask me and I will give you the nations. Jesus is going to rule from Jerusalem with a rod of iron. This is ahead of us. This is the future, a new Jerusalem. It's going to be a grand city. That's why Satan doesn't want him to reign. Satan didn't want him to go to the cross, although I think Satan was confused about that. And now Satan's been taking out his his anger against the Jewish people, and I'm sure you've noticed the church of Jesus Christ. Persecution. The seed of the church has been the blood of the church. The, the church has been persecuted to no end by this red dragon, if you will. He's inspired hate against the church. And for what? What threat are you to the world Have you noticed how even in American politics, Christians have been painted in the last couple of decades? Like we're some sort of serious threat to society. Like what do we do? We ask people not to abort their babies and to be good to one another. And we're usually the first ones there when disaster happens or there's AIDS victims or hospitals need to be built or shelters need to go up or houses need to be built for the poor. We're usually the ones where in emergencies, we open the doors to people, we pay light bills, we give people food, we help, we visit the sick in hospitals, we help people grieve through the loss of a loved one, we marry, we bury, and do everything in between. Yet for some reason, the church gets a bad rap. Oh, oh, I know why it is. Because we tell people there's a hope of getting to heaven through Jesus Christ. And what people don't like is when we say, and if you don't receive him, you're in trouble. They don't like that. That's when they begin to snarl at me in some services that I do. I'm not talking about tonight. (laughs) I haven't seen anybody snarl at me. But I've had some occasions where it was very obvious, and I'm not talking about church services, where the people who were hearing what I had to say were not particularly happy about the message. And for what? Because I intimated, I said, you know, you need to take God's way because if you don't take God's way, that's the only way. Oh, how dare you? 
How narrow and bigoted is that? Well, at least God made a way. I mean, it was the death of his son, right? It was his blood on the cross. How much more does he have to do for you? Do you still have to do it your way? Or won't you come God's way? How much love does he have to demonstrate for you? Anyway, the child being caught up to God's throne is the Greek word harpazo. It's the word for rapture. It means to seize or rescue. Look at verse five. She gave birth to a son, a male child, and this dragon wanted to kill him. He is the ruler, right? But he was caught up, verse five, end of the verse, harpazo, the word for rapture. We will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. He was caught up. Jesus was raptured. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? Well, technically not raptured. He ascended into heaven, right? Acts chapter one, the disciples are with him and he begins to go up, right? And they're staring up there. (laughs) Whoa. I don't know if they said dude back in those days, but whoa, dude. Why do you stand there staring up into heaven? This Jesus whom you saw go up will come down in like fashion. He's coming again. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part two of his teaching in Revelation chapter 12 about the conflict of the age. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but first... Remember, you can listen to today's teaching again and previous teachings in the book of Revelation when you visit our website, walkintruth.com. Walk in Truth is also available for free on many podcast apps, apps like iHeartRadio, iPodcast, Spotify, Google Music, and many more. Search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe. Walk in Truth is a ministry supported by faithful listeners like you. A monthly pledge of at least $5 goes a long way to make sure we can pay for everything that goes into producing this program. We appreciate everyone that supports Walk in Truth, and we hope you become a $5 partner too. To give online, visit walkintruth.com. To give by mail, make your donation out to Walk in Truth. Our mailing address is Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's Walk in Truth, P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And thank you for your partnership in this mission to reach out with God's Word. Now, here's Pastor Michael. I'm excited to let you know that we have something new for you that our team's developed here at Walk in Truth. It's a daily devotional coming out of our church in the city of Corona called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. A great brother in the Lord named Paul Hicks has been doing devotionals during the week that you can get on your phone several times a week. I'm personally blessed by these. I get to open them up and be encouraged by a scripture verse and some thoughts from Paul. And you have the opportunity to subscribe to this Step Closer devotion to help you in your walk with the Lord and literally to help you get a step closer in your walk with Jesus. I know life is busy. I know sometimes it's hard to crack open your Bible every day. And so this is a way just to access something on your phone. It'll be there for you. You can read it, be encouraged. I know for me personally, it's always good to just start my day with the Word of God, have a little devotional thought, some time of prayer, and it just seems to 
kind of orient or set right my whole day. I'm sure you can relate to that. Well, we have this for you. It's available when you uh, text Step Closer, the word Step Closer as one word, actually, to 33222. Remember, it's all one word. Text Step Closer as one word to 33222. One more time, Step Closer, 33222. Text that today. Join us in this walk as you and I get a step closer in our walk with Jesus. Now, friend, you're always invited to come to church at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I have the honor and privilege of serving as senior pastor. We have two services on Sundays, one at 9 and one at 11.15 a.m. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. That's 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. All the information can be found when you download the Living Truth app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars. When you go and download the app, you can find out information and directions to the church, service times, midweek studies, Bible studies for men and women, young adult ministry, youth ministry, so much that's going on. You can even catch up on messages that we've done in the church on Sundays and Wednesdays. Be sure to come back on Monday to hear part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation 12 about the conflict of the age. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. In addition to our faithful listeners and financial partners, this program is made possible by our staff, Executive Administrator Pastor Mike Rizzi, Audio and Video Technician Nathan Lance, Program Director Rob Newton, Graphic Arts Director Brenda Lance, Walk in Truth Store Admin Larry Bondi, Financial Admin Claudia Rizzi, and Senior Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.